0: On this edition of the Cubs Recap Podcast, my partner Gordon Whitmire and I talk to Todd Rosiak. He is the lead beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel covering the Milwaukee Brewers. We get the latest on the Brewers. Welcome into the Cubs Recap Podcast here on YouTube and anywhere where you get your audio editions of podcasts with my partner, Gordon Wittmeyer. I'm David Gavin. We have a special guest today. Todd Rosiak is the Brewers beat writer for the M- M- Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He covers basketball. He's all over the place. All right, Todd, Gordon and I have been sparring about the Cubs and how good they might be able to be defensively. Not sure they have enough offense, but nobody has the pitching the Milwaukee Brewers have. So how good is your baseball team this year?
1: Yeah. I I mean, you hit on it, Dave. It's, it's, it's pitching or bust for this team. And obviously the health is going to be the biggest issue for this team. Last year uh, we saw the bad side of that. Um, Pretty much every starter in that rotation uh, six of the seven guys that wound up taking the ball regularly spent time on the injured list. Corbin Burns was the o- <clears throat> excuse me was the only one who uh, was not injured, and uh, he obviously had a really good year. But um, you know, it, it's it's a battle tested rotation. It's a very talented rotation. You've got a former Cy Young winner in Corbin Burns. You've got a guy in Brandon Woodruff who uh, finished in the top five a few years ago in the balloting. And you've also got some uh, a couple of lefties now with Eric Lauer, Wade Miley, who you guys uh, obviously remember well, too. So it's a a good mix of of veterans. It's a good mix of talent. Um, You've got righties. You've got lefties. And and most importantly, they've also developed some depth. Uh, That rotation depth was really what killed them last year with the injuries. Now they've got what they feel is probably – Three, four other solid guys who, if injuries do hit them again this year, that they will be able to rely on and not really miss much of a step. So um, definitely the strength of the team.
2: Hey, Todd, uh, I've got this theory, and I'm not sure Cap agrees with me. If I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. I might listen to you. Um, So my theory is if the Cubs are going to be afraid of a team in the division, it should be the Brewers even more than the Cardinals. For a lot of the reasons you've already said, we're talking about that pitching staff, but specifically Burns is coming in after losing an arbitration case. He's got a chip on his shoulder personally. Woodruff said the whole team has a chip on their shoulder. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. For missing yeah. the playoffs for the first time in what, five years, four yep. years, five years yep. um, um, by one game. And 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 you could, in fact, you could pinpoint it if you want, the the series where uh, they got swept by the Phillies. They win yeah. the series, they're in the playoffs. Um, so that is a team that seems to me to have some kind of purpose, in addition to all that pitching. Where you know the Cardinals are strong in a lot of places, and they don't, you know, other than the corner infield spots, they, they they don't really make your eyes pop. So, what do you think of that theory?
1: Yeah, no, I, Gordon, I think you're 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 spot on. If there was there was one kind of overriding theme that I think you I got from from yeah, my more. first my first three uh, weeks down in spring training was it's a motivated team uh to get back to the playoffs and they you know they certainly heard a lot of the uh you know aside from the internal um disappointment you know they certainly heard a lot of the external disappointment as well uh from the fans you know they're all human they read social media they know what's going on out there and um you know for for better or worse this is a this is a fan base that has suddenly uh become spoiled uh you know let's be honest this was a this was a franchise that was was terrible for for decades, and then uh, you know Mark Adnazio buys the team, slowly but surely starts investing in it, and uh, beginning in 2018 they go on this run where they're in the playoffs. Uh, you know e- every year for four years, that's unprecedented territory for the Brewers franchise. So you know the the expectations, the bar has has definitely been uh, raised for sure. And you've got guys, uh, you know, who want to get back to that. Obviously, you mentioned the Burns thing. He's, he's somebody that's going to definitely be motivated this year, um, you know, from a, from an individual standpoint as well as a team standpoint. And then you've got guys like you mentioned, Woodruff. There are a few new faces on the team, but, um, you know, those guys have things to prove as well. So it, it's definitely going to be a, a motivated group. And, and to a man, I would say – of the veterans and the returnees that I spoke to uh, when I was down in Arizona, uh, you know, they want to get back. And that's the number one goal is to get back to the playoffs. Okay. So
0: my friend and partner, Gordon Whitmire, we spar a lot because we disagree on a lot. I look look at your team pitching wise, no question. Really good. My issues with the Milwaukee Brewers from an outside perspective (laughs) is a when you've had opportunities to push your chips in the middle ownership has not done that they've had a chance at times where you go boy they got a lot of talent they got kids in the minors we're all in let's try to win and I don't see it and I question your everyday lineup offensively tell me
1: why I'm wrong yeah I I think you're you're also right in the ballpark with those two those two thoughts um I'll 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 kind of go over, you know, when I was talking about the fan base. I'll kind of go over the last let's say since the trade deadline last year. Everybody remembers the hater trade, right? Yep. So, th- this is this is kind of like the, the this has been the narrative of the Milwaukee Brewers since the hater trade. You have trading away the best closer in baseball in the midst of a playoff run. You miss the playoffs in the by off by one game. Yeah, by by one game. You you trade Hunter Renfro and Colton Wong, two of your best players in the offseason, and essentially don't bring that quality of player back. You spend no money in free agency. Craig Council is in the final year of his contract, so you want to call him a lame duck manager. Go ahead. Corbin Burns blasts the franchise because of what happened in arbitration. You open up the, the spring training and you've got injuries to two key players already in Aaron Ashby and Tyrone Taylor. And then you've got a big fight going on behind the scenes uh, regarding public money, uh, tax money going to uh, the to the ballpark to try to uh, put put that in for uh, internal improvements and so forth to keep the team in place. So this is the narrative that's been going around the team for the since the trade deadline last year. It, it has not been good. And Dave, to 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 talk to your point specifically, there there is a, a narrative that. You know, the, the Brewers have not been as aggressive as they sh- as they have been in years past in terms of spending money in free agency. Uh, they've got a number of top prospects, as you noted. Uh, it, it's probably unlikely that, that any of them or maybe one of them will start uh, the season this season uh, on the big league team because of service time uh, manipulation and that sort of thing. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a bad, it's just, it's just been a bad buzz around this franchise since the Josh Hader trade. And then you throw in the fact that the offense had, did struggle. It, it's been really a, a struggle for this, this team offensively since 2020, um, that the pandemic year, obviously, um, it, it, it just, they've never really been able to get back on track. They've been a very Homer reliant team, uh, not a lot of on base struggle, to score runs, um, you know, average is not great. How, 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 however, you want to put it, it's it has not been a consistent, cohesive lineup, and a lot of that can be traced back to Christian Yelich and his struggles as well. But um, you know, the offense—that because because let's be
2: fair, that that is one place where they went all in. But you you expected to get you know Ryan Braun in his prime back, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the other side of the plate, but nonetheless, and you didn't. You got a regular guy,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, you look back at that yellow, the deal, and at the time when they signed it, they were absolutely doing the right thing. They they were signed. He was signing an undermarket deal to uh, stick with the franchise for the long term, and it looked great. But since that day, it's it's just it's been nothing but a but a train wreck and you know every year you know hope springs eternal as we like to say in spring training every year at the start the narrative is Can Christian Yelich get not even get back to MVP status but get back to like let's just say the Miami Marlins Christian Yelich I think the Brewers would be thrilled with that and to this point he has and he showed good signs last year we'll see if uh, you know a a long off season away from baseball uh, this this off season will help him as well but Offense definitely a question, and if you can get that even a little bit closer to the norm, I think that you know the Brewers with the pitching definitely are, are going to be you know right in the mix with the Cardinals. Yeah, I think you know I've
2: given the Cubs a lot of crap, um, you know, for good reason for not for payroll slashing and and running scared from pandemic losses and not acting like a big market franchise when they're one of the elite revenue teams. Um, and all that's true. But here's the, the other side of that coin is that nowhere on the baseball landscape is it like it is it like it was in the 90s. So when these small market teams like the Pirates or the Brewers start spewing their narrative about, well, you know, we, we don't have as much money as the Cubs or the Cardinals. That might be true, but they got plenty of money. They got plenty of money to keep their players or to add. And I think that a lot of these owners are are trying to use these narratives that they know they've been able to sell in the past to line their pockets, to, to continue to line their pockets as revenues go up for everybody. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because that <laughs> pisses me off when I look at the whole landscape of the game. But you said something that I'd like to, I'd like you to explain, please, and that's you said Burns blasting the, cub, the club. And there might be a lot of our listeners who don't know what happened, what he says happened in that arbitration case. Can
1: you take us through that?
0: Yes. And by the way, See, Todd, if I'm – Corbin if I'm the Cubs I'm all in on Corbin Burns to front my rotation
1: yeah I mean you're you're talking about a guy right now Corbin Burns that um, when he hits free agency I don't see there's any way that the Brewers could could sign him to an extension at this point you know this is the guy that's going to command north of 300 million dollars and rightfully so he's he's been ridiculous but uh, you know, basically, the the Brewers have been very good over the years, um, especially in the under their their last couple regimes, front office regime, regimes, um, at avoiding arbitration hearings. And um, this season, it looked like they were. This offseason, it looked like they were. Head, they were trending in the right direction. They basically came to agreements with everybody, other than Corbin Burns, right up to the deadline. They continued talking after. But just just could not come to an agreement, so they wound up taking it to a hearing um, essentially, they were arguing over seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. How does and that happen yeah, yeah
2: especially if you can split the difference
1: now right, you're talking right. even less yeah exactly and and that was Corbin burns's uh whole argument was was, was basically like you know we're, we're really we're, we're really haggling over this much money, and for him, it's a pride thing i I get that, I totally get that is he worth that extra 750? Absolutely. Uh, but the brewers for, for whatever reason, and you may find other teams that, that stick to this narrative of, you know, Hey, we have a process. This is why we go to arbitration. Um, it is what it is. And hopefully it's water under the bridge. I, I don't necessarily think that's so, you know, Corbin Burns, I think caught everybody off guard. I know he caught the organization off guard. Um, you know, when, when he, he, he spoke to uh, myself and two other reporters, in the aftermath of that and from literally from his first about 20 words out of his mouth we're like oh boy this is going to be good and uh i mean he let loose with both barrels for about eight minutes and very very quickly thereafter um it, it was it, it got ugly as far as uh, public perception toward the brewers so um he said he his words were uh, you know I, I don't know if the relationship can be repaired we'll see and and that puts the brewers in a bad spot too because let's say this season, you know, they, they are, uh, they fail to be competitive or they have a bunch of injuries or they just flat out underachieve, you know, you have Corbin Burns, you have Brandon Woodruff, you have Willie Adamas, three guys who are going to command uh, huge hauls in the trade market. If you decide to trade them uh, you know, what do you do with those guys? Well, how, you know, what do you do with Corbin Burns on the flip side? If you're competitive, you got to keep them this year, and then what if you're competitive going into next year? And you feel like you have your chances to compete again next year? There's a chance that the Brewers could walk away um, getting nothing for any of those guys if they decide that that's the right thing to do. So they're in a trick box right now, and it's not uh, it's not going to be easy to think their way out of it. But um, yeah. you know, there's no there, there's no doubt that a, a motivated Corbin Burns is going to be a good thing for the Brewers. I just don't think it's it, it, it's the motive, the motivation is there for the the right reasons. I guess is if the team would you know have its say
2: away well, from. Correct, correct me if wait. I just let me just go back to one thing. Tell me if I'm I'm wrong on this. Did Burns not say that when they were in that hearing? And we know these hearings can get ugly at times because the teams have to tell you why the player's not worth it. This mm-hmm. guy won a Cy Young. He's been playoff pitcher for. Me. Didn't he say they essentially blamed not not making the playoffs in large part on him.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh you know, we we fleshed that out a little bit and I think it's more the perception of the player. We know what goes on like you said, you know, teams have to talk down their players, the players reps have to talk them up and it becomes this kind of ugly nasty thing. Um, you know, but the, the the bottom line is this, Corbin burns perceived it that way. So that's the way it came, you know, that, that's the bottom line is he took it that way. That's how he felt it was said. That's how he felt it was meant. That's how he took it. So I don't know necessarily that I believe that that the Brewers came out and said, hey, this guy is the reason why we didn't make the playoffs. I think that, you know, on its face would be downright ridiculous. But, um, again, it, it's how Corbin Burns took it. That's the most important thing. And, uh, you know, whatever a guy needs to, to, to motivate himself – he took that as, and ran with it for sure.
2: You know what's interesting so, about this is 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 that the, the teams get a lot of pressure from from MLB and the commissioner's office on this stuff. They do. They get a lot. They they get told what the value is, what the what the value in the arbitration market is for these guys, and hold your place on this. And then now there's now there's buzz that some of these uh, arbitrators uh, are, are afraid to get fired by the owners. Yeah. Never mind the fact that they can get fired by the, the union as well um, for no cause. But uh, I suspect, right. Tell me, tell me what the perception of Milwaukee is on this. If you've got teams falling in line with the commissioner's edicts on this, and we see the file and trial policies across baseball. Now, there's been a lot of arbitration mm-hmm. cases that we, we go, what the hell for that amount of money. And this is one of them. If, the, if, if teams decide to follow the commissioner's, guidelines slash edict on this don't the smaller market clubs potentially get hurt worse that have developed their player and want to maintain the relationship with him and extend him compared to the cubs that can say well you know screw you kyle Hendricks if we if we want to say that and and we'll just go get john lester
1: yeah absolutely you're 100 right and and you want to be able to stay on the good side of these guys and and hopefully if 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 you know, everything works out and, and you have, you're, you're dealing with the right agent and the players in the right frame of mind. Maybe you can parlay that into a, a team friendly uh, extension at some point before these guys hit free agency, keep them around a few more years. But it's just, it's it's so incredibly frustrating to small market fans who continually look at, you know, look at, you know, take a Brewer fan, for instance, you know, they, they basically just look at their star player, you know, their team as a farm system, For their star players, you know, you develop guys like Corbin Burns, you develop guys like Brandon Woodruff, they traded for Willie Adamas, but he's clearly had his best years with the Brewers and whatever they've been doing with him has worked well. But you just know at the end of that, at the end of that run, you have no chance of keeping these guys and and it's just like this, this hopeless cycle. So that in turn, forces the Brewers to do what they did with Josh Hader you know you want to you want to stay ahead of the game you want to get something back for them but then it be, then it becomes a timing issue and everything so it's yeah it's it's absolutely right it's it becomes very ugly it becomes very frustrating for fans to, to see this and um, you know they don't I, I can absolutely say that Brewer fans by and large you know do not buy the small market narrative anymore they've seen Mark Adonazio pay money in the past, you know, they've had the, the, the biggest payrolls and so forth. They've also been incredibly frustrated um, hearing these stories that are coming out about Mark Adonazio buying a, a minority uh, ownership stake in a Premier League team, uh, soccer team in England. Um, it's not Chelsea, is it? Uh, no, not Chelsea. Um, buying, uh, you know, spending exorbitant amounts of money on sports memorabilia and stuff it doesn't, it it doesn't play any, you know, of course he's, he's free to spend his money however he wants, but to a fan seeing, you know, you're you're hearing the, the franchise saying, we want to do everything we can to win a world series. But then the reality is they're not spending like fans think they should. And then the owner's buying these other things too. It's conflicting messages. So again, I just go back to the whole narrative and the whole feeling around this franchise, uh, you know, I grew up here. I've I followed the Brewers since I was, you know, a little kid. And I can never remember as much discontent and as much dissatisfaction about the team, uh, you know, in in 40-plus years. It's amazing. And, there's, and we're still talking about a team that is very much in position to make the playoffs this year. Man. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking gonna... about
0: Norwich City is yes. the soccer team. He's going to yes. own oh. six, 16% of it. I want to go back to something you said You're standing there with two other people and there's Corbin Burns, Cy Young winner, big name guy. And we've all been there. I've been doing this north for 30 years. You guys have been doing it forever. When you get an athlete or an executive or a coach and 20 seconds in, you're like, oh, my God, this is gold. Like, take me back to the What's your favorite one, both of you, that you can remember? Because I remember some
1: doozies. <laughs> Gordon, I mean, you have way more experience than I do. I, I, you know, I've been in the business for 30 years. This is my 13th year covering ball. Gordon, you, you go ahead. I'm sure you have better stories. Well, I got, I got one from when I covered
2: the Angels that still stands out to me. That was in 99. And Mo Vaughn was in his first year on that club. And there was a there was a cultural divide in the clubhouse that uh, was kind of uh, a couple of guys were more like Mo and, 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 he had a little bit of an edge. He was an East coast guy. And there were a lot of the, a lot of the holdovers that were kind of Southern California minds. They were very talented club. A lot was expected of them and they weren't playing well. And this was either right before, or right after the all-star break, we were in Cleveland and there was a, there was a benches clearing brawl and Mo wasn't in the game. And he was he was seen on camera later like kind of half closed like he just thrown on his clothes to come out of of the clubhouse through the dugout to join and then and then didn't but by then it you know you could take that however you want by then uh most of it was over if not all of it but troy Percival the night before the not that night um said and raised his voice doing it Uh, basically called out Mo without calling him out by name for some guys not being there for the other guys. And then the next day, a couple of us went up to Mo in the clubhouse and asked him about it because he wasn't there at that point that night. And he ripped the crap out of Percival out loud so everybody in the clubhouse could hear it. Um, And just kept, I mean, he just kept going on and on. Me and the other guy just looked at each other we didn't ask a question. We just for probably 10 minutes he just railed and i i this i that and other people and this guy and gonna say that the best say it say it to my face and i mean he just ripped the crap
1: that's that's awesome so i while you were talking i was thinking back and the thing that stands out most to me was my my first year um Going in, sorry, going into my second year covering the Brewers. We all remember the Ryan Braun thing with the suspension and all that. Me with stuff. the
0: FedEx guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: <laughs> this is my first spring training. I I was actually covering Marquette uh, in 2011. My first year on the Brewer beat was 2011, so I missed spring training that year because Marquette was a, got into the Sweet 16. 2012 was my first spring training covering the Brewers. And this is when Braun is first going to address all this stuff that has been going on and, um, you know, got off on the technicality, blah, blah, blah. So they actually, it, it, in Maryvale, Gordon, you've been there many times. Um, they, they put, they have a podium in, on the infield grass. They have chairs lined up on the infield grass and everything. It was crazy. So Ryan Braun steps to the podium And my, my role, I was working with hard Court at that time. So he's doing one thing. My role at that point is I've got my laptop on my lap and I'm basically live tweeting, live blogging, this stuff, his comments and it's going live on our website. And there was a narrative going around about Braun or a rumor while all this suspension stuff was going on that (laughs) he, let's just say he had a sexual sexually transmitted disease and the medication that he was taking caused this false positive. You know, this was some rumor that was out there. So as Ryan Braun is standing at the podium and he's talking about this and, he, and he's justifying all this stuff and what happened, he literally stopped, you know, it, it, at some point during his speech says, and, and, I, I, and I also would like to go on a record as saying, no, I do not have any sexually transmitted diseases. (laughs) And then goes on and I'm like, is this real life? I mean, is this really happening here? You know, I literally typed that out. Ryan Braun says he has no sexually transmitted (laughs) diseases. So maybe I shouldn't have even brought this up. But I mean, that's the thing that really came to mind. is like, I I cannot believe this is happening right now. We got to put that in the
2: headline on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Can we promote this?
0: I had a coach who I knew from my basketball days walk up to me and go hey we just made a trade with the Bulls don't tell him I gave it to you it was a monster deal it's like nine players I called John Paxson the GM of the Bulls he's like we didn't make a trade I said well I'm going to report it in 10 minutes and he said alright how did you get this and so to make a long story short the trade went down the whole deal yeah, the coach stealing. who had the coach who had given it to me actually used to be the head coach at Marquette, Kevin O'Neill, yeah, And yep. Kevin was in my wedding. He's my closest friend. So I got this story and Paxton's like, who gave it to you? I can't tell <laughs> you that. And a month later, he comes up and goes, the guy was in your GD wedding.
1: Nah. So yeah, you, can't,
0: you, you can't get a better source than that. All right. So let me ask you from your seat.
1: What do you think of our club, the Cubs? Much improved. Um, you know, I, I don't, you're, you're, you're betting on, you know, Cody Bellinger, obviously, uh, you know, having a a comeback season, be motivated, you know, one-year deal and all that stuff. Um, you know, I like the Tyone signing, obviously Dansby Swanson, you know, he's going to solidify that position for, for the Cubs for a number of years, just, just way more competitive in general. And, uh, I, I, you know, like looking at it from from the, the the small, the the micro perspective of just covering the Brewers. The the, the better the Cubs are, the better that rivalry is. I, I think it's yep. great. You know, I, I really. It's such a great series to cover every time the Cubs are in town or the Brewers are down there. I know Brewers fans get so annoyed with all the F- Cubs fans coming up to Milwaukee, Wrigley North, and all that stuff, but that's what makes it fun. <clears throat> the the only way I think it could be a little bit better would be if uh, Wilson Contreras was still there because he became public enemy number one of Brewer fans. Yeah, pin
2: cushion number one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wait till um, he's a, wait till the Cardinals come rolling in.
2: Oh my yeah. God! Yeah. Well,
1: and then it's cool too because you have. You have William, uh, William Contreras now catching for the Brewers too so you've got all that interplay going on as well um, I I just think in general the Cubs should be should be much improved and uh, like I said it's gonna be it, it's gonna be nothing but good for the Brewers and Cubs rivalry it's a shame that it's only two games or to, sorry two uh, you know two series at each ballpark now with the, with the, the different schedule um, but uh, of course they had to make it opening day that opening series at Wrigley for the Brewers yeah, which, right. oh, uh, brutal. Brood, That's so stupid. Just,
2: just flip it, play it in Milwaukee. That's so stupid.
1: I, I, I totally agree. Totally, yeah, agree. it hey, makes uh, no hey, sense to me.
2: Todd, we talked about my theory on who the Cubs should be afraid of among the other two teams. I think we can eliminate the the Reds and the Pirates yeah. from this discussion for this year. But who should who should or who are the the Brewers more afraid of? Uh, are, are they actually afraid of the Cubs?
1: I don't know that, I don't know that fear would be the right word, but I, I definitely think that the moves that the Cubs made in the offseason has got the Brewers attention for sure. Um, you know, this, this is, um, I, I don't know how you guys view it, but it's de- it definitely looks like they've come out of that rebuild phase. If you want to call it that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever they... would, depends
2: on how they do this year.
1: Right. Right. Of course, short-term but, guys, too. but they are back yeah. to spending money again and trying to get some, you know, some marquee players back on the squad. So I, I definitely think from that perspective that they've caught the Brewers attention. Um, but, you know, I think if you, if you um, strap the lie detector to each and every guy in the Brewers clubhouse, I don't think there's any question that they look at the Cardinals again, as the, you know, their, their primary uh, target or their, you know, their, their primary, um, you know, so competitor this year yeah. in the, in the central and it, you know, the Cardinals have just, they've had the Brewers number for, for however many number of years it's uh they small ball them to death. They get just you know they make just the right moves at the trade deadline. Uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt kill them every year. Um, you know they, it's just for whatever reason the Brewers never seem to be able to uh, to to match what the Cardinals can do. And uh, I, I I do think again that this season they they would be looked at as the team to beat. But with the pitching the Brewers have, you, you certainly cannot discount them either. If,
0: if the Brewers don't win this year. And Corbett Burns is pitching for the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs. Is this the last really great chance to win a division and make a run?
1: It's a good, it's a good question. You know, I mean, I guess it just depends on what they do with these guys moving forward. And, and again, I will include Brandon Woodruff and Willie Adamas in that group as well. They're all kind of tied together because they all become free agents after next season. So um, you know, uh, to me, it, uh, to me, their 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 window of contention is this year and next year. Um, you know, let, let's say they compete, they get into the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, what, whatever happens, they don't win the World Series this year, but they can come back with that same core again next year. I think you got to let it ride. You know, you you definitely have to let it ride. But there's no question that the window is no more than this season and next season. Brewers have a lot of talent in the minor leagues. The problem is that talent is almost all positional, not pitching. So they, you know, they, they caught lightning in a bottle with what they had pitching-wise, mostly developed internally, but they made a couple of good external moves, and they had this window of opportunity, and that's what frustrates Brewers fans so much is this is a franchise that has never, ever, ever been able to develop its own pitching. And here you've caught lightning in a bottle. You've got this once-in-a-lifetime rotation. And then you also had Josh Hader, Devin Williams. You had this incredible back end of a bullpen, too. To not even make the playoffs was, was unconscionable last year. And if that happens again this year, whatever happens with the players moving forward, you know what happens next year, it's going to drive fans crazy for years and years to come. So... This is going to have to be. This is going to have to be the time that uh, you know you you either put up or shut up, and 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 we'll we'll see what happens. But again, it all goes back to health for me. If they can keep these guys healthy, I see no reason why they can't at least get a wild card. If they don't, total total disappointment. How
0: much do the the fans up there? Not the players; they're pros. They'll they'll play for another team in a second. They they want to make their money. I get it. How
1: much do the fans dislike? Cubs fans and the Cubs. Oh God! I mean, it's un, you can't even put it into words. You can't put it into words. And for me, that's what I was saying before about it's that. That's why this this series is so much fun, and it drives it drives Brewers fans nuts that these that, that the Cubs fans drive up in droves, cool. take over the ballpark. <laughs> you know, it's it, it just it galls them to no end. And, and again, you know, having grown up in this area, lived here my whole life. Ever since they went to the National League, it's just it's just been this ongoing issue. You understood it kind of when the when the team was not very good, but now that the team has been competitive for X number of years, to see this still happening time and time again, uh, it, it drives Brewers fans insane. And, and and there's arguments to be made. Well, it, you know, there's there's so many season ticket holders. How are Cubs fans getting a hold of these these season tickets? People are putting them on StubHub. They're scalping them. Whatever. If it's that big a deal, you know, sit in your seats if you're a Brewer fan. Come to the game, but I think a lot of times Brewers fans look at it as an opportunity to actually make some money, so they, they go ahead and sell them, and the end result is that the place gets taken over by Cubs fans, and it's in its two thirds, uh, you know, people cheering for the Cubs. So no, you, you can't even put into words the the amount of frustration, and it also it bugs the fan or it bugs the players too. You know, they do make comments about it, they do get frustrated about it. But that only goes so far, you know. It, it's they it's, they have a game to play. Their focus is on the game, um, but fans drives them nuts. Before we let Shane. you go, I have
0: a home in Oshkosh, and I walked into a bar, Jerry's Bar in Oshkosh, and I had a Cubs shirt on. I was not two steps in the door with my wife. Guy goes another one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're, so you're, you're one of those hundreds and hundreds of cars. I always see with the Illinois plates driving North every weekend, uh, going That's up north here. God's yeah. country,
0: God's country. You got it.
1: Hey, I got one. Let me
2: just throw one more follow-up to something. All right. Then we'll wrap it up right at the end. And just, uh, just to reframe it a little bit, you, Burns, Woodruff and Adamas are all free agents at the same time after next year. Right? Correct. So in, in, in a case of, Burns and woodruff are we looking at a field or brawn type of situation i know those guys timelines are a little bit different but where maybe they try to get one they definitely don't try to get both and i mean and you alluded to it they could miss them both yeah
1: Um, Yeah. and
2: and if they do if, if if that happens is are they rebuilding again i mean you may have answered this or at least insinuated it but would they just tear the thing down again
1: yeah. Those are good questions, Gordon. I think if you looked at those three guys or two guys specifically Burns and Woodruff, Woodruff is definitely the more realistic of the two targets. And I think you'd probably, probably be looking at something. My guess would be the Brewers would float out the Joe Musgrove extension that, that the Padres signed Musgrove said, to because five and a hundred. yeah. So it's like age wise, yeah. uh, achievements wise, they're, they're, they're very similar pitchers. So I think if the Brewers could somehow get that, you know, get that done, they would be ecstatic. Um, the rebuild is an interesting is an interesting thing because you know, you, you, let's say you keep Woodruff, you lose Burns, you lose Adamus, you've got a lot of talent coming up through the minor leagues, but it's unproven. You know, I I, I think a soft rebuild is probably the way they would have to go relying on some of these younger guys and then maybe trying to fill the gaps, plug the gaps. The big thing is just, you know, the pitching in general is going to take a huge down uh, a a huge step down when you lose a Burns. They've also got, uh, you know, Freddie Peralta's lockdown, but Eric Lauer, who's been a really kind of a dark horse, a very unsung hero in the Brewers rotation the past few years, he's also going to be a free agent in that 2024 class too. Um that's another guy if he walks away there's really no no easy way to replace him so you 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 can also almost throw him into that group with those other three guys too it's a very interesting uh very interesting theory to think about uh but also a very real possibility Hey Todd we appreciate you taking time for us look forward to seeing you on the road during the season man Absolutely Really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Had a good time. Good seeing you guys. You too. A lot of fun. See you soon. That is a wrap for our Brewers
0: edition of our Cubs recap podcast as we look at one of the Cubs' chief rivals in 2023. For Gordon, for our great staff, for Todd, I'm David Kaplan. We'll talk to you next time on the Cubs recap podcast.